what is the market asking of you as a company? What is your customer that's out there wanting and desiring and needing you to do for them? List them all, whether you're even uh, providing those or not. Welcome to CEO Brain Food. Every episode, entrepreneur, CEO, founder, and host Michael Langhout will bring you key insights, fresh perspectives, and proven tools you can apply to your business. Thought leaders and CEOs will be interviewed as we explore winning strategies for scaling a company, generating profits, and building lasting enterprise value. Here's Michael. Hello, and welcome to the CEO Brain Food Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about planning systems specifically one system that I have found as a coach to be extremely effective when it comes to pinning down a very, very specific strategy and then executing properly on that strategy. And that is the Three Hag Way, which is a system that's been developed by Shannon Susco, who's a, an author, a speaker, a coach, a colleague of mine, and someone who I greatly respect. Shannon is a serial entrepreneur having started, scaled, and exited from three companies quite successfully, most of those with extremely high valuations. They were all sold to strategic partners. Shannon now is CEO of Metronome United and is an author and speaks around the world to CEOs that have an interest in getting very, very clear about their strategy. I've been involved in planning most of my life uh, as a leader, a CEO, a founder, an entrepreneur of several different companies. And I can tell you that uh, I've had some success and, and some frustration utilizing the systems. My experience has been basically you get out of them what you put into them. And yes, there are templates and frameworks and methodologies that you can use, some better than others. Probably they are all flawed, and what you really need to do is pick one that you think works and fits you best. In my view, the best overall planning system is the great game of business, which is all about open book management, and we'll be talking about that in future episodes. But most of them are comprehensive but are lacking in depth in certain areas. What Shannon has done is she's bridged the gap between the long-range as Jim Collins talks about it, uh, BHAG, that was a term that he trademarked and first started using back in 1996 when his first book, uh, Built to Last, came out. The BHAG is the big, hairy, audacious goal. That's out there 10, 25 years. Of course, that book was written prior to the advent of what we know today as the ubiquitous uh, internet, where everything moves at the speed of light. A lot of people have a hard time getting their head wrapped around a 25-year goal and find it much easier to come into a shorter-term time frame. A 10-year goal sometimes is even hard to articulate. But it's a BHAG. It's something that's out there long-term. And it should be uh, a goal that is difficult to achieve. It, In fact, many times you can't even imagine how you're going to achieve it. The three-HAG which is the three-year highly achievable goal, well, that's one that kind of bridges the gap between the BHAG and the one-year. 
for all of you that are plan that are planners and utilize planning systems, you know you have a long range goal, uh, probably a three to five year goal, a one year goal, and then uh, quarterly goals uh, that are tied into that one year with their corresponding initiatives and uh, priorities. That's generally how the planning system works, right? You imagine a funnel. You start at the top with a big, broad goal, and it kind of narrows down to a three-year, then down to a one-year, then down to a quarter, then down to monthly, then down to weekly, then down to daily. And that's really how it, how it all goes. But with the three-hag system, what we're really doing is diving into strategy and also into execution. It's a strategy execution system, and it really is a great way to help you to predict profits. You know, planning has been going on for millennia, right? I mean, even uh, back in the in the earliest days, even from the Bible, we have warring factions, and each side was always thinking about their competition and their enemy and how they could defeat them in battle. And that would be true even up through today. We have very complex planning systems for fighting battles today that didn't even exist even five or ten years ago. But one great commander in World War II, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, said in a speech that he made in actually in 1957, way after the war was over, the Second World War, he said, in preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. And to support that, he told a little anecdotal story about the maps that were used in during the U.S. military training back even before World War I. The maps of the Alsace-Lorraine area of Europe were used, um, and educational reformers decided at some point that the location in the Alsace was really not relevant to American forces. So the old Alsace-Lorraine maps were substituted with maps of newer areas that they found in the U.S. to do their training and for planning exercises. A short time later, we were involved in World War II, and the Alsace-Lorraine area became a very active area for battle, and the maps that had been once used were had long since been discarded, were no longer in use, and the soldiers that were in that area then were, were left with a deficit. They really didn't understand the terrain. So we got to be really careful. Um, I've never fought in a war, but as a young man, I played baseball. And I was actually pretty good at it. Um, I learned to condition my body to withstand the rigors of competition. I emulated the batting style and fundamentals of some of the greatest heroes of my era, era during that time. Uh, Mickey Mantle, um, even Ted Williams, who had retired by the time I was active, but was teaching at the Boston Red Sox training camps. But sometimes I experienced pitches that were different and very perplexing. They caused me to rethink my style of batting and, and taught me how to be better in dealing with uh, uncertain situations. Planning is essential for success. And when Eisenhower says planning is indispensable, but plans are useless, what he's really saying is that all plans, the best laid ones anyway, go astray. So despite your best efforts at planning, you're probably going to miss the mark to some degree. And I hope, hopefully you would agree with that. That's certainly been the case in, in my uh, experience. Preparation is everything, but when the plan is put to the test, we must be prepared for variances that are out of our control. We've got to be nimble and flexible, adjusting our plan to accommodate any incoming data or 
changes in market conditions or throughout the value chain. What Shannon's work has done is she has pulled together a method and framework for planning that's just really watertight and really helps with predicting profits much more accurately. And just as a professional athlete returns to the fundamentals of her sport and conditions her body for athletics, our people need to condition themselves individually and in their respective teams by going back to the fundamentals. And those fundamentals really ensure alignment with the core purpose and the core values of the, of the organization, the company, or whichever organization you are affiliated with. Really understanding why they're there and what they're accomplishing. So the individuals that are on teams need to build trust and commitment to each other and to the company's vision. These foundational pillars do not change. They're integral to our organizational DNA. If we're clear about our foundations, then we can be more effectively able to withstand events and adjust to variables that threaten our efforts to build enterprise value and achieve our purposes. I mean, if we are really all about making money and generating cash and increasing enterprise value. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that's our purpose, but I think that in all companies that are for profit, those certainly are the financial objectives, right? You want to generate cash, you want to make money, make profit. Those two things are very different. And if you're successful at that, you're going to be building enterprise value. But if we if we stabilize our foundation and and really understand that and have a team of people that are completely bought into that and aligned with those values and that purpose, then generating predictable and growing profits on top of that foundational system will be much more achievable. In Shannon's three hag system, there are 13 steps that are preceded by an exercise of thinking about your purpose and your values. And we're not going to discuss that today. But it's, I just encourage you to make sure that you get your hands wrapped around the purpose of your business, the core values of your business. I've talked about that extensively in prior episodes and will continue to do so because it's so important. And I'm not going to go through all 13 steps because that would be too much for this episode beyond the, the intent of it and the reach of it. But I just want to give you a high level on some of the tools that are used to help us get a handle on strategy, and really develop a, a very, very good operational strategy for the business, and then an execution plan on helping us to get there, to figure out how do we make that truthful for, for us uh, in, in the three-year time, time frame. So we will talk about four or five different tools. Uh, the first is mapping out your internal and external environments. Shannon Susco in her book describes this as the map, and it's an external map. Uh, just put up a flip chart and, and label out the, the columns. I mean, you've got basically in your external environment, this is your value chain. Um, externally, you've got customers, you've got suppliers, you've got associations, affiliations, you've got competitors, you've got channels, you know, distributors that you're using or ch different channels that you're using. Put them all up on the board in different uh, locations, and there's there's a uh, template for that um, in her book, The Three Hag Way, and begin populating each column and row with, uh, with the data that you would have that would be uh, pertinent to your company. And once you have those mapped out, then begin to draw lines of what percentage of business is going to this particular customer. 
Is it 25% of your business? Is it 5%? Is it 75%? Some companies are, are in that kind of shape where they have huge dependency on one company, which is uh, obviously very uh, dangerous to do. But map out in those lines that you're drawing to those um, customers, what percentage of, of business is going to that customer? And then mapping out also on the other side of it, um, your suppliers and which suppliers are you dependent upon? And perhaps even discovering that a supplier might be a customer. Sometimes that's a revelation. And also when we're connecting those dots, we're filling in the flow of cash from coming in from the customer and going out to suppliers so that we get a sense and a feel about the environment of the, of the company and how the, how the funds are flowing. The other map that we want to look at for the environment is the internal map, and that's your key process flow map. Take a look at your key processes. This would be maybe the initial lead coming in, um, a marketing effort, uh, sales effort, operations, manufacturing, if you have that, and coming down through fulfillment and customer experience. There's a financial aspect, obviously, to that. Um, so you map that out. And again, there are, are there's a template for that in her book. We also don't want to forget our administrative functions, such as uh, um, IT and legal and so forth. And just connect those dots and see how your processes flow. And one of the things that, that we like to do with that exercise is to assign accountability for each one of those functions to make sure that we know who's accountable. And then a little color coding uh, using a stoplight system of uh, green, yellow, and red, green being the process is working well, yellow being the process needs some attention, and red being the process isn't functioning well at all and may need some other resources. Now, that may not have anything to do with the process owner who's accountable. We don't want to point a finger at anybody. We're just saying there may be uh, a need for some resource allocation to change the situation from red to yellow or from yellow to green. It's an excellent visual and is very helpful. The third is uh, an attribution framework. And frankly, Shannon is uncertain as to where this originally came from. She picked it up about 20 years ago. Um, we're having a hard time understanding who developed it at first, but basically what you're doing here is you're defining the characteristics of the marketplace. What is the market asking of you as a company? What is your customer that's out there wanting and desiring and needing you to do for them. List them all, whether you're even uh, providing those uh, or not, whether you're good at providing them or you're, you're ignoring them. Put them all down. And you may come up with a big list. It, okay, it may be 15 or 20 attributes, but I encourage you to get that list down to a manageable level, maybe six or eight attributes. And then list your competitors and Create a, create a grid just using an Excel spreadsheet or just a simple grid that you can draw out on a whiteboard or a flip chart where you have your competitors, list out your competitors, and then for each attribute, score your competitor on a scale of zero to five, zero being they're not playing in that particular attribute or in that niche, or five, you know, they're, they're leading the market in that particular attribute or niche. And use different uh, color-coded uh, pens if you want, or if you're using in Google Docs, uh, just put a different color on the line. But to connect those dots for each competitor, and you'll come across uh, from left to right uh, the most uh, important attribute on the left down to the least important on the right. And pretty soon you're going to have a map of your competition and including yourself 
as to how everyone is performing against these attributes. What's really interesting is if you've done this correctly, you're going to find gaps, what Shannon Susco refers to as white spaces or niches that are out there that are not being met. You'd want to draw a three-hag line showing where you might be able to fill in those gaps. And that then becomes the core of your three-year strategy to differentiate because after all, strategy is about being different, right? It's differentiating yourself. And so once you have that, you'd want to sit down as a leadership team and extract out what things you can do to make those attributes real and truthful for your company three years out. What are those things? And you can map those differentiators out by articulating the three to five differentiated activities that you're going to engage in to achieve success in those white space attributes. What uncommon or unique activities will you begin to embrace and leverage in your company to your advantage in the market that are different from your from your competition? Once you have that list, you can you can list them out and come up with you know three or four or five major things that you're shooting for out there three years out that are going to help you lift yourself up as a company to achieve success in those attributes. The next step, which I think is really a, a helpful one, and this is one that takes us into execution, is to take those differentiators and list them out. I usually, as a coach, I put up three uh, flip chart pages on the, on the wall, and I draw out um, 12 quarters, starting now, going out for 36 months or three years. There's 12 columns, and each row would be one of those differentiators. So way over on the left, you would have the differentiator, and way over on the right, you'd have Q1, Q2, et cetera, all the way out to Q12. And in each one of those cells for each quarter, you would want to put in a milestone that you would want to achieve, a step that gets you along the way, along the route to achieving success in getting to that differentiator. So if that's clear, what you're doing is you're mapping out your plan to achieve the differentiators three years out. And these are milestone steps. This is not necessarily project management. This is swim lanes where we're taking an engineering concept of swim lanes, which is coming out of uh, Agile or Scrum, and we're applying it to strategy, uh, business strategy. And so it's simple. Simply, we're just listing out the milestones. We're brainstorming what those milestones are for each quarter, for each differentiator. Now, what you have when you're finished with that is you have a plan for each quarter as to what you're going to be doing for the next three years. And if you're very, very clear about that and as granular as possible about that, then you can also quantify it. And the second step in the swim lane is to run a 36-month, month-over-month or quarter-over-quarter forecast. What's this going to cost us? And how can we plan for that? And once you have your 36-month, month-over-month or quarter-over-quarter forecast, then you can also look at your org chart because you may not have the people resources that you need to accomplish all of that. So you can actually set up an aspirational org chart quarter over quarter or year over year to see who do you need to add to the team or what people resource do you need to accomplish all of that. So it's a great system. Um, I highly recommend it. I use it with all of my clients. It's based on uh, a, a model that Shannon has developed that she, she refers to as the house, building the house, right? So there's a foundational step 
that's your purpose, your core values, your your CEO, your founder, your entrepreneur, the values and the cores that they live. And then followed by that, again, framing this in, you've got your your human system, which is powered by top grading uh, approach of recruiting and interviewing and hiring and onboarding and training and retaining people, top level talent, A performers, as we like to call them, and calling out those that are not A performers. You want, by the way, you want a good 75% of your staff to be A at least. And I suggest you look at it closely. You probably got 25%, which is normal and average. So you got some work to do and there may be some turnover here. So buckle up. After the human systems, you've got a team system that's a cohesive team. And we like to say that's powered by Lencioni, Patrick Lencioni um, and his five dysfunctions of a team. Highly recommend you read that book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team uh, by Patrick Lencioni. And that's built on Lencioni's uh, pyramid, which starts at the base of trust and then dealing with conflict and then having an understanding of each other's commitment and accountabilities to each other. And finally, then once you have trust and ability to deal with conflict and totally committed to each other and holding each other accountable, that's when you start to see strong results. So on top of the foundational system, the human system and the team system, you have a strategy system, an execution system, and sitting in the middle of all of that is a cash system, which is uh, included in, in, in her book and uh, well known as the cash conversion cycle. And that is a topic that's been discussed in previous uh, episodes. We'll talk about it again, but there's ways to accelerate cash. In fact, there's seven great levers in your uh, business. Three, three are on the balance sheet, uh, accounts payable, accounts receivable, and inventory turns. And four are on your, um, on your income statement. Uh, those two at the top would be uh, volume and price. That's equals revenue, right? So then you'd want to reduce COGS. So you could increase uh, volume, you could increase price. Those are ways to get more cash, decrease COGS, and then uh, your overhead expenses. Um, COGS being uh, cost of goods sold for those not in the know on that. And then also reducing overhead overhead expenses. So those are seven uh, levers to, um, to help you accelerate cash through your business. Anyway, I hope uh, this has been um, helpful to you. There's more, way more understanding your core customer, establishing your brand promise with your guarantee. There are various other uh, tools out there that we can talk about and we will in the future and in future episodes, but I wanted you to be aware of this particular planning system, which really helps dial in strategy in a very, very uh, complete and uh, deep way that will allow you to be very predictable with your profits. So best wishes with that. And I'd leave you with a quote. This is one of my favorite quotes uh, in the book of Proverbs in the 2918. When there is no vision, the people will perish. So thank you very much for listening. I look forward to our next episode, which is going to be focused on Liz Wiseman's terrific book that came out a few years ago called Multipliers. And we're going to be talking about what is a multiplier, what's a diminisher, this gets back into the people running your business and involved in your business. And in my opinion, if you don't have the right people and they're not multipliers, then you're, you're not going to be as successful as you could be. So with that, I leave you and uh, best wishes and have a great week. Thanks for listening to another episode of CEO Brain Food. To listen to all past episodes, as well as view the show notes that we create for each episode, head on over to ceobrainfood.com.